without God in it. God has to do it. The only thing that moves God is your faith. What is your faith? It's your trust. How do you gain trust? It's through your experience. That's why the disciples said, increase our faith. So the way we increase our faith is by doing as we go along. If you don't trust, if you don't learn to trust God in this situation, you're not going to have enough faith to trust him in the next situation. But if you can learn to trust him in this little situation, now you're beginning to build an experience of God being faithful to you and God doing what God said that he was going to do. Now it's going to get a little easier to move along. Are y'all seeing where I'm going? And we've got to figure out a way in ourselves and how we walk out our Christian walk. We've got to figure out how we can learn to trust God more and trust ourselves less. We can't, we can't always put our hand to it and make it okay. There are some things that we can do to fix it. I got you. But there are things in your life that will cause you, just like, these, this, just like this father, he ended up going past his disciples now. Faith, sometimes there's circumstances and situations and that will stir up such a faith in you that it will cause you to move past friends that can help you, to move past you because you can't help you, and you go searching for the one that can help you. Faith will cause you to move, it will cause you to move beyond what you already know into what you're hoping for. I already know you can't help me. I got to move past you. I've got to go to the next thing. I've got to find where I'm going to get this handled. And where did they go? They went to Jesus. And the first thing they done was called him Lord. He called him Lord. He recognized him for who he was and what he could do. He called him Lord. He placed himself in a, in a place of humility. What do, you, what do you think God's doing here this morning, even with us, with this? This little old church. What kind of effect? How many people got, Charlie? Okay, 28. I'll trust you. You know why I can trust him? Past experience. I know he counted. What can this little old church do? How can this little old church of 28 people in here this morning change anything in Roanoke? Let me tell you how. Trust him. Truth. Same way a church of four changed Charlottesville, she said. Because that's how many we had, Pat. We had four people in a church when we moved from Roanoke to Charlottesville. And had a hundred show up just to dunk a pastor. See, that's just wrong, ain't it? That's just, that's just wrong. 
But until you can experience God in a smaller spectrum and learn to trust him in that, you'll never be able to do it in a bigger deal. I mean, everybody wants to be in the Colosseum Church. You know, every, everybody, wants, everybody wants to be in a church that has it all together. Can I promise you, those churches that look and appear that they have it all together, you sit in a board meeting with them, you're going to find out there's more demons. It's not about finding a church that has it all together. It's finding a group of people that are willing to make a difference. And if you're willing to, I'm, guys, listen, I promise you this morning that if you will allow God to, to do something with you on a small scale and you can come out of this little thing, this is, I, I, I call this little thing, I mean, because we're just putting stuff together and we're going to hand it out. It's kind of like one of our first little things at our church. We, we put bread in a bag. how we started the church we put bread in a bag call me what you want say to me what you want to say we put bread in a bag went to the projects and we knocked on old ratty screen doors falling off the hinges well you can't grow no church like that pastor they don't have money i ain't worried about the money i want their soul And we just so happened one day knock on the right door and they went, we've been praying for a pastor that cares. We've seen them come and go, but they never come here. And get put to a point where you pull in and everybody's screaming, it's like a drug dealer. <laughs> pull up into the projects and you hear it go, I, I'm telling you the God's honest truth. It echoes through an apartment complex. Pastor's here, pastor's here, and it's different voices. Pastor's here. It's like they're telling the cops are coming or something. Put your job going. What are they doing? But see, what I didn't understand was when we first went down there, we began talking to people that had their 40s in their hand drinking. Oh, you a pastor? I'm like, dude, don't hide your beer. Drink it. It's going to get hot. Hot beer ain't no good. Drink it. It's fine. It ain't between me and you anyway. It's between you and him. You do what you need to do. And they found out that I was for real. I didn't care. Go and sit on a lounge chair out in 101 degrees. And you're going, Lord have mercy. Hot. And you go down and kids start swarming your cars like a bunch of roaches. Because they know that you got popsicles in a cooler. Just a little old, ch a little old church. Scares some of the older ladies. Seasoned ladies, Pat. Scared some of them to death. Even approach and say, Pastor, this I can't do this. This, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. It, it, it kind of, it scares me. It's okay. What, what can you do? Well, I mean, we can pray while you guys. Perfect. That's right. You need all the prayer we can get. Perfect. 
Well, we we can make we maybe we can make lunches and we perfect because we gonna get hungry. We need to come somewhere and eat. Bread in a bag. And that's how we started growing a church. Bread in a bag. And they was excited to see us. We, 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 we pull up in a church that's got an outbuilding that was full of clothes stacked from the floor to the ceiling. What are you doing with that many clothes in a building? So we got this smart idea. Let's load them up, boys. We threw bags of clothes in the back of pickup trucks and stacked our vans plumb full. Went to trailer parks, went to projects, opened up tables, laid out all the clo- all the clothes, laid them on. That took a lot of work. Laid out all the clothes and let people come in and they started pillaging through. And while they were there, we just got to talk to them about Jesus. You ain't got to give me nothing. You don't even have to talk to me. You need clothes, you get them. Well, how many can we have? I said, do me a favor. Take what you need. Because there's other people that need to. Just take what you need. And watching little kids come in and mama's holding. And we want to have church. Preacher got to preach. Seeing little kids just tickled plumb to death. Guess we make no money off of that deal. It cost us. We didn't, we didn't bake cookies and sell them for fundraisers. If we cook, we give it away. My sanctuary had clothes laying on every chair, every seat, every pew. I, there was clothes laid all over the place. We in there trying to get sizes right. Just so that we could go to the community and they could mess it all up. Well, I just want Do you know how much time we put into that? You found respect for retail workers, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) But if we weren't able to trust God in the small things. See, y'all, man, Tommy, you put those videos together about the other thing. I wish you could have put a video together about Charlottesville for the time that we spent there and watched We joined up with another church and went to D.C., preached on the street, and fed the, hung- fed the hungry. They, they tear your trailer down to get them a hamburger or something. I mean, line, it was crazy. In D.C. I mean, in the heart of D.C., right down below where it's all going on. And you pull it, and there's one park. And there's, there's churches and ministries all around this place and you pull and people just they're running from one 
to another to get. We made them listen to Big Mouth for a minute before they could eat. You got to share the gospel. I'll give you soul food. Different meaning to it, Michelle. But if you don't believe him in the little stuff, how in the world are you going to believe him for the next big stuff? From bread in a bag to doing three-day revivals on a little little old church, little old church, I wish I had, I've got some pictures too. Sanctuary plumb full of people. Remember? And the absolute worst part, from me thinking, the absolute worst part where the bathrooms were right there at the sanctuary. Oh, every time you flushed it, it was the glory of the Lord. <laughs> I'll never forget it. The sanctuary. And you could hear it. Lord have mercy. The sanctuary couldn't have been this long from front of the seat to the back. And the bathrooms are right there. Boy, just do yourself a favor before you went to that church. Go to the bathroom before you got to church. Because everybody going to be hearing, if you know what I mean. That was funny. Doing a little three-day revival and packing church out. Believing Believing God for that. It took a lot of work, didn't it, David? <laughs> See, y'all better be careful, man. When you associate with me, you better be careful. You be pulled from the highways, the hedgeway. You, you, it's hard to tell where I take you. I might ask y'all to go to Washington. I don't know. That's why it takes everybody. That's exactly it's why it takes everybody. Because everybody here's got a different outlook about something. I wonder, I wonder if I was to challenge you, and let's say in the next hundred days that we want to grow this church a hundred people. Can you do it? We see how quiet it gets. Any any time the pastor puts faith to work, everybody goes. What if I said in the next hundred days, let's grow this church a hundred people? Huh? You got to talk loud. I can't hear that. I'm deaf. I don't, I'm just saying, I'm just giving you a number. Can you do it? Have you, have you ever looked at what it would take to get it to that point? Let me ask you this question then. And I'm going to help you with some math. Because anybody that understands math, math does not lie. Okay? The math is true. How many people, and I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud because I don't want nobody being embarrassed and I don't want nobody gloating if you actually talked to somebody last week. How many people have actually talked to five people last week about coming to church? And just ask yourself that. Did you, did you talk to five people 
and ask them to come to church. Now I want you to ask yourself this question. If I talk to five, how many of them said they would? Now I want you to ask yourself this question. Out of the ones that said they would, how many of them did? Guess what? Y'all want me to tell you something? You ain't talked to five people last week. Nobody in here did. How do I know? It's the same faces. That's how I know. The, the math will never be wrong, and I promise you, we can take it down to as low as three. Talk to three people. And I promise you, you can double the faces sitting in this congregation next week if you talk to three. Don't, I'm not going to put any type of, well, what's my criteria? They got to be blondes. They have everybody. Don't exclude anybody. You talk to somebody, ask them about coming to church. And I promise you, if you talk to three people, I promise you, you can double the faces. Now, does that mean they stay? I'm not, I'm not going to. You let God do that. See, I'm not going to put the pressure on me. I'm not going to tell you, if you bring them in here, I'll keep them. Nope. You bring them in here, I'm going to give them a taste of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit figure out what he's got to do with them. Some will run, some will stay. But if you don't, if you can't, if you can't find an experience with God in the little stuff, I tell you something like growing a hundred people in a hundred days, man, and you throw the brakes on. Why? Because we're not experiencing God in the little things. It's going to take, you know what's going to have to happen? It's going to, it's going to take this day that one person. Either accepts Christ on the street or comes to church. And then maybe everybody can go, hey, that does work. What if we done it twice as much? But we have to experience God somewhere. But if we're not willing to step out, you'll never experience him. Because he, God doesn't need to be involved in your everyday matters. I've told you all this before. Quit praying in the spirit about what color blouse you want to wear to church. Open up a closet, grab a blouse, put it on, go to church. Now, if you need supernatural something, you better be calling on the name of the Lord because he's the only one that can prepare that. But everything that we're asking for most cases is natural stuff. God, I need money. Well, go to work. I used to tell people, that they, Tommy would tell you, they come eat. I want to raise. I say, sell a car. <laughs> sell another car. You want to raise? Sell another car. You want to raise? Do another dog deal. Yep. Right? I don't mean to put it that way, but it's just... I don't know the professional name for y'all's thing. Dog training. Is it dog training? Y'all don't have no kind of... 
It's reverse psychology. We'll train your puppy. But in order for us to go any further with God, we've got to experience him here. If you can't trust him today, how are you going to trust him next week? Right. And th- this is the whole thing. And, and, and I'm, sitting and, I'm sitting and looking at, at these people, especially the, the, the father of this child, Wanting, wanting Christ to heal his child. You can't allow things that take place that will, that will cause you not to be able to move forward. You can't, you can't allow that little experience here to stop you from going to God and asking him for the help. Eventually, you have to get to the point to where if it stops between me and you and you can't help me, you can't do nothing else for me, I got to go to daddy. But most of us won't do that because we haven't experienced daddy doing anything. So we're not sure if we trust him or not. We know what the Bible says. We know that the Bible says that we need to believe. We got that. But we've not experienced anything. And we're trying to figure out why we're not moving forward. We're trying to figure out why our faith isn't increasing. Because your trust isn't increasing. Because your experiences aren't increasing. Yeah, we've got, you've got to start moving. A pastor put it like this one. I think it was Lester Summerall. Yeah, I listen to some of the old people every once in a while. But he put it like this. He said, a rocking chair has got a lot of action, just never moves. That's a, that's a, that's a profound statement. If you don't put something in motion, I don't care how much action you got. If it ain't moving, it ain't going to do us any good. Think about where you were and think about the people that you're getting ready to talk to on this day, where they are. What's the best way to get them to where you are? It's not going to be by throwing up a flyer and quoting John 3.16. And, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that giving people encouragement and, and talking to them with some scripture involved. I'm not be as sly as a serpent as gentle as a dove you can talk to the lost with scripture and they not know it you don't have to you ain't got to go out there this is from first Thessalonians, dude i'm not impressed i'd rather hear it from your heart and from your mouth and that that's where we have to be as a church if we're going to do anything we've got to start somewhere she just happened to be the one that come up and was just crazy enough to say, Debbie, I think what would be awesome would be, and Debbie said, that's a good idea. Why don't you head that thing up, get that started? But I didn't know, well, God didn't tell me, he told you. 
So we just come together now and do our part and watch the experiences grow. You ever, you ever thought about why revivals do what they do? True revivals. I'm not talking church revivals. I'm, I'm talking about true revivals. If you watch them and how they begin to breed. You ever thought about why? Because the experiences. You, you went to that revival? Oh, you got healed? I'm going. Just out of curiosity. Y'all know that saying, right? Curiosity killed the cat. Playing with fire, you get burnt. Y'all, y'all heard that. And that's exactly what happens in revivals. Because people begin to get curious. Oh, was this thing for real? Was this fake? Well, you just come experience for yourself. And, you're, and, and don't you be trying to change people's heart before they get here. You know, I used, to, I used to get real nervous when we would have a visitor and if there would be a message in tongues and interpretation. I'd, I used to get nervous because I was afraid that I was going to have to try to explain that. What? If it's God, you ain't got to explain nothing. They know. Oh, trust me, they know. We got to let God do his thing. We, we want to break up the, the move of the Spirit by saying, okay, now what just happened was, or we, we tell our girlfriend that we're taking because we don't want to lose our girlfriend because she was hot. So we tell our girlfriend, now listen. Some of them people in that church now, they a little crazy. Now, don't, don't get nervous. Now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth. Don't now, this scared. happened here. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Now, I'm bringing this girl to church. Not for that reason. I'm bringing that girl to church because I was appeasing my mother. And I didn't want my girl to go nowhere. She was hot. But you tell her, don't be scared. I said, don't be scared. And boy, don't you know, it was the war of the word that morning. And there was probably two or three. And I'm clenching on her hand, just holding <laughs> Don't go nowhere. Don't go. I'm going, man, I wish y'all hurry up. Lord, let them shut their mouth. Scared to death that she was going to go, uh-uh, uh-uh. It's not my job to explain that, man. You don't explain to people how a football game goes when you get, you just let them get caught up. That's right. Or a hockey game. They get so caught up, they end up out on the ice. I mean, it's just craziest thing. See, I watch y'all's Facebook stuff. Y'all better be careful. But this is this is what faith is. It's it's the experience. It's, it's that experience that you have. Because now I can learn to activate my faith and begin to trust in God more and trusting me less. And don't you know, if you can put the things of your life in God's hands, don't you know he can work it out better for you? It might not seem like it. 
But he does. He ends up fixing it. One scripture says, without fail. (laughs) He'll do it. Without fail. That ought to just get you excited to know that you're serving a God that does not fail. Do you trust? I mean, really, I want you to heart check. Do you trust him enough that you know without fail he'll pull through? Has anybody really pushed their faith this week? Has anybody tried to increase their faith this week? In in anything? I mean, really, like, really increase their faith. If you you go through this week with the same faith you had last week, you're not growing. Trust God. Get to a point you just say, I can't, I just can't. God, I just can't handle it and go to Dairy Queen (laughs) with the Dairy Queen gift card that you got for your birthday. (laughs) Go preacher, it's your birthday. And then told I didn't have to share. (laughs) (laughs) I can get a lot of ice cream for a couple, couple bucks. Look at this. This is, this is one thing I don't want you to get confused on. Uh, I wrote this down. Passion is not faith. Just because you got passion for it, it's not faith. It's just passion. I think it was David. Trying to remember, man, it's a big book. It's a lot to remember. How do you study for your stuff? I can't, that right there, that. I guess because your information never changes, right? This is living word. That information changes every time I read it. But your zeal for God, you, you, can't, you can't allow, how do I want to put this? Because it, it's got so much to do with it. Passion is not faith. Passion is not faith. My zeal for God is my want for God. Not so much my desire. Because your want for something just means that you want it. Your desire for something causes you to move toward what it is that you want. That's why the Bible is so clear on that God gives you the desires of your heart. Because what he wants you to pursue, he puts the desire in you for that. Y'all with me? 
A lot of us take that scripture as, oh, God will give us the desires of our heart. That's a bunch of Christian nonsense. That's perverted teaching. Because sometimes we allow evil desire. My desire is for a brand new house. I believe in God because he said, he... stop, man. It should, it should be like the psalmist says that my heart, my soul pants, pants after you like deer for water. That, that's a desire. Right? And if we can ever get to the point to where we desire him more than we desire anything else, everything else is handled. One and done. I mean, it, it's that, it is truly that simple. Do you believe that? That was his scripture. That was his word. He said, if you seek me first, I'll add everything else. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. That means it will run you over. It will tackle you every day of your life. How many of you have had goodness and mercy tackle you every day of your life? Don't lie, you in church. Have you ever asked yourself why that hasn't happened? What is it that you desire more? The byproduct of God or the product of his goodness? She go get the, here, you break down that theology. Come on up here. Tackling you. We're just so busy we don't look at it. We don't recognize it. Well, maybe there's something behind that. Maybe I need to research that. Maybe there's something behind that. That surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Maybe there's something behind that. That if I can change my perspective. And maybe that's why we are to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we're able to perceive those things. Because I want to be awake in the right moment. I don't want to be sleeping. I want to be awake in the moment. That God reveals something to me. I want to be awake in the moment. Because if we're sleeping, we're going to miss it. It's going to pass by. Oh, there's, see, girl, you stop. There goes those experiences. You, girl, it just got rich. Because now, now we start recognizing the goodness and his mercies. We start recognizing them every day. It's the little things, being able to hold a baby. It's the little things of her drinking her bottle and not... Not amen and pop, pop. Now, it's the goodness and mercy. If we can experience, no. If we, she said, boy, you better give me that bottle back. I'm fixing to. But if we can recognize those smaller things, we are building an experience causing us to be able to trust 
which is allowing our faith. But if we're not recognized and we're sleeping in those moments because our perception's off, and if we're sleeping in those moments, it's no wonder we have a hard time trusting God for something else. I know what happened. You get to a stoplight. Got up late. And you see the wreck that's in front of you down the street. And you said, Lord, had I not been late, that may have been me in front of her. So you don't know what God's protecting you from or, or what mercies he has on you that we don't see through the day. You don't know. Amen, Michelle. Michelle, I'm hoping videos are not playing. <laughs> I don't want my life up on that screen. That's right. And when I ride by, he's still 40 years old, pedaling a bicycle. 50 years old, pedaling a bicycle. I said, that could have been your husband. And faith isn't doing, doing right isn't faith. Just because you're doing the right thing doesn't make it faith. That just says you're doing it the right. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. Girl, you better stop growling on me. Well, there that went. Anyway, so I'm going to challenge you. Can I challenge you to increase your faith this week? Do you, do you trust that God can use what you've gone through in life 
to be used to benefit the kingdom. Do you trust him enough by sharing that with someone else? Because that's, that's the reason that we share it, is that we're trusting that God will change their life just the way he changed ours. Do you trust him enough to talk to someone? And you don't have to give them full-blown stuff, man. Just You can still talk to them. I mean, if you eat at, if you eat at a restaurant that's just got good food, You don't keep it no secret. You tell everybody just to hope that you're going to get an experience to go with them to that favorite restaurant of yours. I don't know where that's at. Well, we'll take you. <laughs> right? The little Indian, little Indian thing down there. I mean, y'all like it. I don't. But y'all like it. But I'll still go. Do, do we trust that God tastes that good? That we're willing to share it with somebody else. So let's do this little exercise and I'm quitting. I'm going to leave you alone. I'm, I'm letting y'all go. It's almost 12 o'clock. I thought I was doing good and I was going to let y'all out of here by 1130. That didn't happen, did it? Let's do this little exercise. Can you remember the last time that you experienced God in a situation in your life and you knew it was him and he showed up and he done something supernatural in your life? I want you to take that circumstance and I want you to fuel your trust so that you can apply your faith to tell someone else about what he done. If people don't know you love Jesus, better yet, if people don't think you love Jesus, what makes you think that you're going to convince them to love Jesus? See, there's some of them, well, I don't even want to go to a restaurant with you. I mean, just a bunch of sour pusses. You don't tip. You, you aggravate and you irritate everybody at the restaurants and you're screaming and cussing and, all, and just come out of church. I don't, if that's the Jesus that you have to offer, I'm not, I'm not interested. But if you're different and you can, you can make a waitress smile, or you tip them so good that they don't know why. And they come back to your table and start crying. Because you just blessed them. And they going, you don't know what this meant to us. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We got to come away from us. That's what we're going to have to do.